0: So here we are gathered again on Ash Wednesday, recalling our mortality that we will all die and remembering our humanity that we all are part of the human race, that we all sin, we all fall short of the glory of God. We do things we shouldn't do and we don't do things that we should. And we gather acknowledging our inability to save ourselves. When we leave today, we will have a visible sign of our mortality imposed upon our foreheads, a visible sign that we are dust. We come from dust. We will return to dust. And yet in the midst of that, between birth and death, we have this life that we are empowered to live, that God breathes life into that very dust. We come and we remember in a sobering kind of way exactly who we are. And we remember in a hopeful kind of way exactly who God is. God who is willing to create within us clean hearts and renew within us right spirits and restore us to the joy of salvation. God is always willing to do that for us, but will never force us or coerce us into allowing God's work to be done in us. We have to be willing also, and sometimes I simply wonder if we are, and sometimes I'm pretty sure that we aren't. This year, in the midst of all that is swirling around us, in our world and in our nation and our culture, In the United Methodist Church, in our church, in our homes, in our lives, I've been thinking about this season of Lent a little bit differently. We we can come together today and we can confess our sin and we can nail it to the cross. We can have the ashes imposed on our foreheads and essentially we could wake up tomorrow as if nothing's changed. We can go about our lives looking good on the outside our lives at home at work at school and have had very little change or transformation on the inside recently i had to have a tooth pulled because of a process called resorption and i've only the only one other person i've talked to uh, has encountered this or uh, knows what this is but it could be external or internal The dentists, they don't really know what causes it. It's not decay. It's not from neglect or poor hygiene. I was glad to be able to tell my mother that, right? I do brush and floss, Mom. It's not a cavity. It it, it is really just the tooth reabsorbing itself. And it can happen from externally so that you can see it if you look at the tooth, and then you can see that that's happening. Or it can happen internally in which you cannot see it, except by x-ray. If it's internal resorption, then it looks good on the outside. But it's deteriorating on the inside. It's simply reabsorbing itself on the inside. So we've been watching this tooth for a couple of years. The dentist minced it a couple years ago and said he thought it was fine. We could just let it go. We could let it go. And then a few weeks ago, when I went in for my uh, cleaning and and, um, x-rays, he said, "Uh." I I think that I think it's time to talk about doing something. He said, you could just let it go until something happens, until it starts causing you more trouble, or it it could break, and then that would be trouble. Or we can just pull it out. I'm like, well, that's a no-brainer. Let's just pull it out. I mean, how hard could that be? Well, harder than I thought (laughs) it was going to be. But it's out. And, and now it is in the process of healing. It was not better the next day. It's still not 100% better. But it's in the process that has involved a, a different kind of practice and a different kind of embracing of the process of healing. It occurs to me that, that sometimes the things that we need to confess and lament and grieve are kind of like this. Mostly on the outside, we're good, right? If people are looking at us, they don't see anything wrong, right? We're doing all the right things. We come to worship, we pray, we serve, we are nice people, right? From the outside, it looks good, especially when we look at our lives compared to other people, right? We look pretty good, but it's on the inside where the problem is. On the inside, and sometimes we're not even aware of it ourselves, but on the inside, there's pain and, and heartache and struggle and brokenness. There's maybe pride and, and envy. There's, there's a hunger for power or for position. There's slander or anger or malice or, or hatred. There's a, a hardness of heart. On the inside, it, it really isn't all okay. On the inside, there are things that, that we need to own and take care of. And uh, it, sometimes it, is, it starts small, right? Sometimes it, it is just a, an argument we've had or a, a disagreement we've had. And that, that breeds some unforgiveness or some malcontent and and we don't take care of it, and, and then it just continues to grow. But on the outside, we look okay. Sometimes we're not aware of it. Sometimes we are aware of it for ourselves, but we're not really cognizant of the impact that it's having on other people around us, whether that's people in our homes or people at work. And and, you know, when we lay out all the possibilities of what might happen, it's a no brainer, right? Like, let's confess this. Let's ask God for mercy and forgiveness. Let's repent. How hard could that be? Well, harder than we think sometimes. Confession is a good start. But there's a process of healing and restoration that is more than a transaction of pardon. It's a transformation of mercy and of grace. To confess is to admit or to acknowledge our sin to God. And sometimes confession, I think, is too easy for us, right? Confession of sin doesn't automatically mean repentance. We're often quick to say, I'm sorry. If it might resolve a conflict earlier, or if it might lessen the punishment that's coming, I think about my children, I think about me as a child, right, in arguments with my sister, and my mother would say to one of us, say you're sorry. Sorry, right, through gritted teeth. Sorry was, were words that I was told to say, but it, it didn't change what was happening on the inside of me. Sometimes we say we're sorry, more likely it's that we're sorry that we got caught. We have no intention of actually behaving any differently. Lament is a passionate expression of grief or sorrow, an expression of regret or disappointment. It's an acknowledgement that things aren't as they should be, and an anguished beckoning of God to intervene. with righteousness, and with justice, to make things right, to make us righteous in right relationship with God. It is to confess our humanity and to concede that we're too weak on our own to combat the the powers of this world, the principalities and the spiritual forces that are against us. It is to declare that only God has the power to truly mend the world's pain and brokenness. Only God has the power to truly mend our pain and brokenness. It's a process that reminds us that we need God. We need one another and we need the Holy Spirit. It is true for us as individuals, this process of lament. And it is true for us as a body of Christ. It's true for us corporately that we need this process of lament. But I can't uh, expect... Others to bear the weight of lament as a body if I'm also part of the body. I have a responsibility to take care of and own and confess what's, what's mine. Ash Wednesday begins the season of Lent. It's a season of remembering and reflecting and repenting. It's a season to lament. And what does it mean to lament? These next set of slides, um, some ministry colleagues at at Wildwood Mennonite Church in Canada actually had put them together several years ago. But they walk through with us what I'm inviting us to in this season of Lent. From the prophet Joel, Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. What does it mean to lament? Lament is preparing for the journey. What do you carry in your mind, in your heart, in your spirit? Preparing starts with remembering, remembering who we are, that we are beloved children of God, remembering where we've been, remembering what we've done. Preparing starts with remembering who God is, that God is our creator, our redeemer, our sustainer. God's the one who breathes life into the dust that we are and sustains the life that we live that God is our provider and our deliverer and our healer, and God is gracious and merciful and slow to anger, remembering who we are and remembering who God is and remembering that we know the end of the story. We know that Easter's coming. So often we're quick to confess on Ash Wednesday and then just go on with life. As if nothing has changed until we come on Easter morning and celebrate the resurrection. We know the end of the story. So we can prepare by holding on and remembering the hope that is ours. By entering into it in the confidence, confidence in the, in the one who sees us and knows us and loves us with an everlasting love who leads us and who forgives us. Jan Richardson is one of my favorite writers. Remember, you were built for this, the ancient path inscribed upon your bones, the persistent pattern echoing in your heartbeat. Let this be the season you turn to your face toward the one who calls to you. Return, Return. Let this be the day you open wide your arms to the wind that knows how to bear you home. Lament is preparing for the journey, and lament is owning our limitations. You are frail. You are weak. You are mortal. How do you feel about that? Most of us don't like it. We don't like to admit that we're not as strong as we want to be or as we think we are. We don't like to admit that we have limitations. But the truth is, we do. We are human. And there's something about acknowledging and accepting this, our limitations, our frailty, our weakness, that makes room. For the power and the strength of God to work in deeper ways, owning our, limitation, our limitations, lament is naming pain and feeling sorrows. And I wonder today how you are hurting or grieving or, or bleeding. Lament invites us into not just words about what's wrong. Or where we're human, but it invites us into feeling the pain. And the sorrow of what's wrong, of our sin, of our humanity. We live in a culture where we uh, love to numb our pain. We don't like to be in pain. We don't like to suffer. And we have any number of ways that we avoid dealing with negative, uncomfortable feelings or thoughts, but we cannot heal brokenness until we're willing, willing to feel the brokenness. We have to name the pain and feel the sorrow. We have to be honest with God, not only in naming the pain and feeling the sorrow, but lamenting is confessing sin, how have you fallen short, done wrong, and caused pain? Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me, against you, You alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified in your sentence and blameless when you pass judgment. Confessing our sin, naming our sin, we all sin. We all miss the mark. We all fall short of God's glory. Lament is owning that about ourselves, not in comparison to other people. And it's not naming other people's sins. This is about us in our relationship with God. Corporately, it becomes about us as the body of Christ. Where have we missed the mark? In loving God, in loving others, in offering grace, in extending mercy, in telling truth. Lament is confessing sin. Lament is also longing for a better way. I wonder what fresh starts or new paths or renewed relationships you can imagine. Lament isn't only being in the pain and the sorrow. It's being there with the hope of what's to come, with the, the knowledge and the confidence and the transformation of, of God's love for us within us, God's mercy at work in us. You desire truth and the inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and sustain in me a willing spirit. I suspect we're afraid in some ways of getting stuck in lament, right? Because we have six weeks until it's Easter. Who wants to be in lament for that whole period of time, right? I don't want my tooth to hurt for six more weeks, right? I'm ready to be done with that. Longing for what's to come, even while naming the truth about where we are, longing for a better way, even while naming the way we've been on. Confessing is easy if it's only saying the words, but saying the words alone doesn't change our heart. It doesn't change our behavior. What are you longing for? Out of the mercy That God is offering to you. Lament is a step towards healing. I wonder what wholeness would look like for you. How often do we confess, but we remain broken? I say I'm sorry, but not because I want to change my behavior or my attitudes, but because I've been told I'm supposed to say I'm sorry. Lament with grief and sorrow, our own And recognizing how God grieves and is in sorrow over the brokenness of this world. That God grieves with us in our brokenness. And God grieves when when we make choices other than for God. When we choose life in ways that miss the mark. God grieves because God is a God of steadfast love and mercy. And God longs to heal us. Lament makes room for changed hearts and changed behaviors. And lament is a safe space in the heart of God. O oh Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise, for you have no delight in sacrifice if I were to give a burnt offering, you would not be pleased. The sacrifice acceptable to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise a, a safe space in the heart of God. How often do we run from pain and from sorrow and from grief? We're longing for God, but we're pretty sure God's not in those places. And yet the good news for us in our humanity, is that our, our pain and, and our sorrow do not separate us from God's love for us. And if we will allow, God actually draws nearer to us in our pain and sorrow. God is close to the brokenhearted. We just don't like to be, we want God to be close, we just don't like to be brokenhearted. The honesty and vulnerability of lament is exactly the place where God waits for us, offering us communion with God, a place to be seen and known and loved and forgiven, empowered for the journey. The journey. Not one day, but for the journey that we live Will you meet us in the ashes? Will you meet us in the ache and show your face within our sorrow and offer us your word of grace? That you are life within the dying, that you abide within the dust, that you are what survives the burning, that you arise to make us new. And in our aching, You are breathing and in our weeping, you are here within the hands that bear your blessing, enfolding us within your love. I wonder what your journey will look like this Lenten season. Are are you willing to engage in the process of allowing God to create in you a clean heart and renew a right spirit within you, and to restore you? Are you willing to do more than just offer words of confession? Are you willing to engage in the transformation of mercy and grace that God offers to us because we are God's beloved children?